going outside every day has connected me to the place that I live and my human community in a way that I did not anticipate. Welcome to the Saved by Mother Earth podcast, hosted by Heather Webster. In this podcast, Heather weaves together conversations of spirituality, wellness, and nature immersion to help create connection for your mind, body, and soul, allowing you to know your authentic self and enhancing your connection within and your connections with others. Heather combines her love of learning, teaching, spirituality, nature, and others to bring this podcast to you. Come join us on the journey of self-discovery. Well, welcome, Amy, to the Save by Mother Earth podcast. How are you today? I am great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I have enjoyed listening to your podcast. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Now, you're up in Alaska. Is that right? I am. I am in Palmer, Alaska, which is about 45 minutes outside of Anchorage. So the southeast area, but still on the road system, which a lot of Alaska is not. So that's saying something. Uh, But yeah. I want to get up there. I have to get my passport so I can go through Canada versus taking the ferry. But I want to get up to Alaska and see all the wildlife up there. It is a fantastic, beautiful place. Uh, And of course, we are walking into the summer season at the time of this recording. It is May. And that matters when you're talking about Alaska because the snow is gone. So (laughs) So, (laughs) it's a big deal. Are there some places that obviously keep the snow year round? Um, yes, but very, very far north. Okay. Um, for the most part, the snow does go away at least for a part, a couple of months. I yeah. would say pretty much anywhere you're going to go. Um, <laughs> uh, but here in the Anchorage area, pretty reliably, the mountains are snow free or, um, you know, at least the ones that anyone's interested in, in climbing as a regular person. Right. Um, of course, Denali is our largest mountain, largest mountain in the, uh, uh, North America. And it is not snow free because it is humongous. So <laughs> caveats all around caveats. Exactly. All around. Exactly. That's like, you know, how it is everywhere. Right. Are you seeing, this is a little off topic, but not off topic at all, but are you seeing a change in how much snow you're getting? So I have not lived here long enough to reliably have perspective on that, uh, especially since Alaskans really value having been here for a long time. So I always want to caveat, like I've been here since 2016. I am not a long-term Alaskan. I feel like that's a long time, but I come from a lifestyle tradition of moving around a lot. So for me, that's basically your entire life. But for most people, that's not enough Alaska street cred to really be able to say one way or the other. That being said, I have noticed a pattern of actually increasing snowfall this year, but more so than that, what I have seen and what the experts I've talked to here have seen is that the way the snow comes changes in terms of the weather patterns around snowfall. So you're looking at warming and cooling patterns over the course of a winter. So it might be an abnormally cold winter. But in between those are melts or warming temperatures that are 
such that create instability in the snowpack. And the reason this matters is because when we talk about climate change and global warming, we think about retreating glaciers or we think about having warmer than normal winters. And all of those things are true too. But when it comes to snowpack, a signal of a climate change situation is a higher risk of avalanche or higher risk of landslide. And we have we saw a historic avalanche season here in Alaska where we saw a you know, magnitude of avalanches that were just not expected or and really not seen, at least in modern, modern Alaska. Wow. It's so fascinating to kind of be able to get different perspectives across the North, well, North America, but also across the world when I've been interviewing people, right, from anywhere from Australia to yeah. Germany to Alaska. So tell us a little bit, tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about your story. Yeah. And you mentioned you traveled a lot. So tell us a little bit about your story um, and then kind of what you're doing now. So we are a military family, or at least we used to be an active duty military family. And I mentioned that we, you kind of get used to moving around, right? So the army says you're stationed here, you live there for a couple of years, then you move on. And so I got really used to moving, having four years in a place to be an extremely long amount of time. Right. You live somewhere four years, you probably live there longer than anyone you know. <laughs> so that's just our background. And so when we decided to move to Alaska in 2016, it was actually a decision we made for our family. We decided to get out of the active duty army so that we could move wherever we wanted to and um, be able to move somewhere where we could really focus on spending more time outside for the sake of my spouse who had served in combat in Afghanistan and came home with you know, a number of challenges that you get when you experience sustained trauma. And his were you know, trauma response. So PTSD, but also he has physical injuries in the form of a traumatic brain injury. So this is, if you got into a, like a big accident, a lot of people, um, not just military members have traumatic brain injuries from being in an accident or sports, his words, of course, from combat. And so this, um, changed how he was dealing with life. One thing is that PTSD and traumatic brain injury can often mirror each other because they both have to deal with the brain. Mm -hmm. And so he was dealing with sort of the emotional and physical fallout of this hard to tell which one was which. And we just knew that going outside was helping him make feel better. I mean, it was as simple as that. And so we wanted to get out of the army, go somewhere where he could spend more time outside. So him, 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 he, this guy, right? All for this guy. So we moved cross country, side unseen to Alaska in 2016 to do this. Now, fast forward a year, we had been here almost, well, almost like a full year. I would say like 11 months and a couple of weeks. And I had this moment where I realized he's out there living his best life, but I have not personally experienced what I wanted to experience in Alaska. I can't even tell you what I thought that was going to be because when you have this big life change and you go to do something that is just beyond your ability to even put it into context, you don't have expectations like that. They're kind of like unstated. They're nebulous. They're just sort of in the air and you don't realize they haven't been met until they haven't been met. Right. And then, yeah. And then you're like, well, this isn't what I expected, even though you never could have made a list of what that was to start with. You just had this big dream in your head of this, what could be possible, but not right. knowing what that really was, but just this like 
probably a feeling of what it could be like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sort of this, this empty, like the missing piece, like you don't know the puzzle piece is missing until the puzzles put together. Right. And then you're like, Oh, wait a second. There's like a big hole. Right. Okay. So now I like now to find a way to fill the hole. So I'm, I can actually envision myself doing this. It was one of these moments of your life where you're sitting there and you just have this light bulb go off. It's almost like watching yourself be in this experience. And I was sitting there reading Harry Potter. Okay. No judgment. And, (laughs) and I sitting in outside in the rain on Memorial day weekend, because of course, Alaska is Alaska. Like it's going to rain if it wants to rain newsflash weather does not do what you want it to do no matter where you live like it just doesn't obey so annoying so I realized that I had been sitting here in Alaska waiting for Alaska to do what I wanted it to do or meet my unstated undefined expectations and shocker it hadn't done that and so I wondered if there was only one way to help myself, which was to change what I like to go out and be what I wanted to be despite this, despite whatever this is. And so I set myself a little challenge and I thought, what would happen if I went outside every day, all summer, just the summer, no matter what was happening, even if it was crappy rain, no matter what. And so I did that. I went outside for those 99 days between Memorial Day and Labor Day. But as I creeped closer to Labor Day, I realized I was not in any way, shape or form done. I was not done. I was having such a grand time and I had fallen so in love with like parading around Alaska and wildflowers and hills and valleys and all this summer beauty that I wondered, okay, obviously going outside in the summer, low bar, very low ask. What would happen if I did this for a year, despite the cold, despite the whatever, how would that change me and my relationship with this place? Right. How would this impact me as a person in my home and work and relationships and health and all of those things? What would happen? And so I set out to do that. Now that was over 1,700 days ago. And I know that because I have gone outside every day since then for at least 20 minutes and I like to keep track of it. So <laughs> yeah, that's, so phenomenal. that's phenomenal too. Cause it's at least 20 minutes. Cause a lot of times it's like, oh, well people will count it if they go outside for five minutes when it's really cold out. Right. So do you have to, when you're thinking about the deep winter, when it's super cold or a lot of times what I say is it's not about the weather or the temperature. It's about your clothing. So oh, it's yeah. probably really about like just making sure you're ready for it. And I have a lot of clients yeah. that are just like, oh, it's raining. The weather's not nice. It's cold. It's it's like they come up with all these reasons where it's not about really any of that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I will say if you have a goal or a habit that transcends your excuses, you are working to meet that habit or goal. So in my case, going outside every day. So your goal could be, I want to exercise. I want to walk for 30 minutes a day, you know, even on the treadmill, just like walk somewhere. If you want to come up with an excuse not to do that, you're totally going to. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have to say, I'm deciding to do this regardless of what else is coming at me. 
and then set yourself up for success. So this is true again with any habit, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to walk for 30 minutes, you know, treadmill in place, I don't care. You're going to have to remove some barriers so that when your brain says, yeah, well, this is hard. You say it is hard, but here are our tools. And so to me, and the people I talk to, one of the barriers of going outside is discomfort. I mean, it really comes down to that, right? It's raining, it's cold, it's wet, it's windy, it's snowy. I mean, you name it, I've seen it, okay? All of those things are just a way of giving weather terms to it's not that fun because it's uncomfortable. And that's a super legitimate concern. When your body says this is uncomfortable, part of what it's saying is, this does not feel safe to me. (laughs) And safety is a basic human need. So when your body says this doesn't feel safe, I mean, I think you should listen to that. Okay. Just because you're listening to it doesn't mean there's not a response. So when you're, when your brain and your body say, oh, newsflash alert, this does not feel safe. You can say, ah, yes, but for you, I have this rather large jacket. Okay. And you develop these tools literally in your closet in the case of these, you know, in clothing that you can respond to these inputs that you cannot control. Cause again, we can't control the weather, sad day, but it's true. So you have the tools and the help and the necessary, um, I don't know, toolbox to respond to that because it's something that you want to do. Right. So you have to actually want to there's that. And there are so many ways to encounter that. So it could be, you know, I live somewhere cold. So I own this incredibly fancy and expensive jacket, or, I mean, that's certainly an option go for it. Or it can be, I live very somewhere very cold and I do not, or cannot, or do not want to afford a very expensive, large jacket. So what else are my tools? And it's asking other people for help. Like, what do you recommend? It's saying, okay, how can I layer the things I already own? Uh, the, I have like this vision of my mind of Joey and friends. Can I be wearing any more clothes? But (laughs) right. But but in all seriousness, you, the, some of this is even just about layering and knowing fabrics to have against your skin, that base layer, mid layer, top layer that we talk about when we're talking about getting ready for cold weather. Um, you know, at are my shoes, how are those? Right. I'm shocked at myself by how little I thought about what I was wearing on my bottom half. I saw this meme this winter time and it's so true up 17 jackets, bottom jeans. Okay. <laughs> That's so, how I pretty much go hiking. It's like, yeah, cause my, but my, I think it's because right. My top half is where all my organs are and things like that. So it's like, you're keeping those safe. And then every once in a while, I'm like, Just oh, my, legs, my legs are cold. Not to mention if I'm wearing jeans, those aren't the proper clothes to be wearing if it's raining or anything out. When- yeah, your top half's where all your organs are, but all that blood's flowing through your bot- half, lower half too. And I didn't even think of that. Right. I warm up faster down below because when I'm moving, it's mm-hmm. like my legs don't typically get cold, but I have started bringing, I always bring an extra set of like leggings that I could put under my pants or... Mm-hmm. Or I'll yeah. start with both and take one off. The shirts are so much easier to like, you know, but one caveat for the listeners, if you live in a zone where there's hurricanes, tornadoes, things like that, obviously that's not what we're talking about. Um, you don't want to be outside in hundred mile per hour winds or anything like that. That's dangerous with 
trees that could be falling depending on where you live and things like that. Take, take that into consideration. But yeah. most of the time, there's not those kind of things coming through your area. <laughs> right. I, okay. So there will be one-off natural disaster situations. Sure. No doubt. And I don't want to like discredit anything, anybody from saying that. However, comma, a tornado is unlikely to last the whole day. And if it does, you call me because that's like crazy. Two, a hurricane is unlikely. Like if you want to like go beyond that, you can't. Let's just put that way. Like if you wanted to go outside anyway during a hurricane, you could figure out how to do it in a way that is safe and not crazy and, but just crazy enough to brag about. I mean, right. I kind of like to so We that. used to like, when we had hurricanes back East, there were a couple of times where we were playing soccer out when it was first starting, right? Cause it was not really picked up a lot. Um, there have been times where we've had hurricanes throughout the day that were like pretty strong. Um, but then like, even if you can't get out in that, like 24 hour period, it's like the coolest thing with when after and before and after hurricanes is when you do go out before and after, because there's that calm before the storm and that really super fun part. But then the after is like, it just feels so, I can't even explain, like cool in the, it, it feels like a cool experience being out in that. Um, but going back to kind of the most important thing here, guys, is to get outside every day if you can. Right. So right. what is in that you can find ways to protect yourself in so many different things. But mm-hmm. getting back to kind of this idea that you went there for healing for your husband and then you ended up being like, wait, what about me? I need to fill this like puzzle piece back in. What did you get out of being outside? Because you said you couldn't stop. So what was it that I mean, I am convinced after, like I said, over 1700 days of this, that it is literally everything. So it is day by day that I appreciate different aspects of this in a new way. And that's still true today, 1700 days later. So I'll give you some examples. One, I feel more connected to the world around me because I am experiencing and seeing it on an incremental basis. So I sort of sentimental, but realized that I have this year, a sort of emotional connection to these leaves in my yard. I know this sounds a little crazy. No, not Uh, at all. (laughs) I've been watching them be born. I was there at their birth this year because these trees are, um, on the other side of my porch. And a couple of years ago we bought a hot tub. Okay. So I've been doing my outside time before I had the hot tub, but it is very nice to have, let us not lie in the winter time. So I have been in this, the function of that is that I'm in the same spot. Okay. Like I never would just sit outside in the winter time because it is too cold. I go on a walk or something. Right. But because I have a hot tub, I can sit. And so I've been sitting there observing these trees day over day, for just, you know, not even very long, but long enough to be like, what's going on there and noticing as the buds came out and then they got longer and then they were still baby leaves and then they're big leaves. And I will watch them turn brown and fall off and go away. And then I'll be sad. Right. So I have been observing this almost like having a nature forest bathing sit spot 
Yep. But it's in my hot tub. I think this is probably the best sit spot ever conceived, but that's just me. So I've been observing these leaves. And now I feel this connection to the way the season is going that I'm not sure that I fully articulated before this particular season, even though I've been experiencing various parts of this life cycle in other spots for all these years. Another way, like On the complete other end of the spectrum, like leaves one side of the spectrum, humans the other one, going outside every day has connected me to the place that I live and my human community in a way that I did not anticipate. So when you're looking for ways to spend time outside every day, you may or may not be content with going for a walk in the same spot every day. Every day is a lot. It's a lot of time eventually you're going to probably go to a festival in your town or something as part of your outdoor time. And there you will meet some other people. Okay. Do this enough. And you'll see the same people over and over again, or you might find that your community has a regular walk event or like a community walk run. That's what I started to do. I was looking for ways to spend outdoor time. That wasn't, you know, the same every day. And we started going to a local walk run and because I was going there every week, no matter the weather and seeing the same people week over week. And we're talking like the tough people who hung on in the winter for the walk run. Right. So it's now a smaller group. I met people and I made friends and I connected to my community in a way that I hadn't before. And now these people are a part of my life and we do other things outside together. And I'm not sure I ever would have I can pretty much say I never would have made friends with these people had it not been for that, because our paths would probably not have crossed, even though I'm so grateful for them. And um, speaking, I've mentioned memes. I'm like a big meme fan of what can I say, but there's one that talks about introverts, which I am. And it says introverts make friends 90% they don't 10% they were adopted by an extrovert. That's my friend. So that's, I mean, that's how I connect to community is that people find me and adopt me. There's no other way. So That's so fantastic. And I love the fact that, right, you you haven't been there that long for what the locals would say, right? And so I know I've talked to other adults about this as well. It's so hard to meet people as adults, especially when you come into a community that is so tight-knit already. And I think you see that all the time. And there are different ways to kind of enter in mm-hmm. But it can be super hard if you don't have that commonality right? where somebody will say, yes, we welcome you here versus like being out, being able to get outside is it's, it's a human feeling that we feel more connected to everything and ourselves and everyone and everything when we're out in nature, because that's how we evolved. So it's amazing the friendships you can create when you do tap into those Right. And, you know, another part of that is that you are having shared experiences together. So going outside will infinitely introduce you to things that are outside of your current experience, because everything you see outside every single day at any given moment is always completely new. It will always be new. It will always be out of your control. Well, now, I mean, that could be as small as a blade of grass or as big as an op, like an actual obstacle or a weather event or whatever. Okay. Or a challenge, a physical challenge or an emotional challenge or both at the same time. Uh, so when you encounter those things with another person, 
that becomes a shared experience and shared experiences really are the building block of relationships. Right. So now you're making friends that way, but think about the impact on your personal family relationships with your spouse or with your kids or with your family. If you used going outside as a building block for nature. And so all of that to say nature impacts your relationships because it creates shared experiences and a shared space for you and the people you love to have commonalities. Right. Yeah. And I think it's so powerful to be able to say your, your immediate relationships as well. Right. Cause I think a lot of people are struggling sometimes, especially during our, the COVID times, right. Two years where people were like, kind of well, people would like, there were memes, right. Going across about being locked up with your family kind of, and all this other stuff and how it can build on relationships. We've seen such an increase of people getting outside. Mm -hmm. during this time, because I think people just innately knew that that's what they could, they could do it, but it's also what was needed. So you talked about kind of the, a deeper appreciation for nature itself and human connection. Did you find over the, to over how many times it was like crazy amount of days? Yeah. 1700 over four years, seven over four years. So that is phenomenal. Number one, congratulations on that. But because that's, that takes deep commitment. Um, but also do you find that you have a, a greater sense of self-connection through it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have noticed that I am more intuitive of what I need and listening to my inner voice, because again, so much of this comes back to knowing what's safe and not safe. And when you learn to listen to your inner voice and to yourself, you can connect with what's safe and what's not safe in the world around you, like that physical, actual nature world, but also in your relationships and how you interact with other people and other inputs, you know, that could be from work that could be in your relationships. I like to say that this is from going outside and not from just getting older. Maybe it's both of those at the same time, because that's just part of life, right? We mature in who we are. Um, and I, you know, cannot escape one or the other. So, uh, maybe it's just from getting older who can say, right. But I really do think it's from going outside. And I think it is because I am experiencing challenges and new things and change in nature. And it helps me learn to listen. Um, so I'm a runner. I'm an ultra runner. I love to run. And I learned to do ultras as part of going outside. It was not something that I ever considered doing ever <laughs> before. It has a lot to do with, yeah, I think, uh, ultra runners are victims of other people's good ideas, quote unquote, good. And so, you know, I've surrounded myself with people who think this is a good idea. And so now this is what I do. Okay. For better or for worse, here we need, are. Right. You need a lot of support around that. I, I used to run. I did a couple of marathons and thought about ultra running, but my kidney doctor was like, well, we don't really want you running that much because it does, it, it jostles the kidneys and things like that. And for my kidney disease, it could be detrimental. So, but I had thought about doing ultra running and it does, it takes a lot of support by the people around you to be able to compete. Right. And you have to learn to overcome your own mental negativity because while of course your physical concern is perfectly, obviously perfectly legitimate. And those things are totally a thing yeah. for many ultra runners. The thing that keeps you from completing the really big race, especially if you're trained up is yeah. your own brain. 
That's yeah. all there is to it. This is not about, can you physically do it right. again? Especially if you're trained and you're like, you're good to go. It's about your brain saying, shut this party down. Right. So, so when you learn to listen to yourself and in those kind of challenges, you can overcome that mental fatigue. I'm told <laughs> I am still learning how to do that, but I will say that a lot of that comes back to just proper, like good self-talk and practicing good self-talk. So I had this, I have a situation wherein I do not like flies on me. Okay. Like understandable around you. It's freaks me out, man. So I'm like, okay, got to get them off. Like it's kind of, it kind of freaks me out. Um, and a lot of people don't like buzzing, but this is like more like a panic. Okay. And so I realized, so I wanted to do this race last year that was on this particular trail that I had run on before. And my primary takeaway was, oh my gosh, there are a lot of flies. Okay. So anytime we stop for water, the flies, Okay. If as long as you were moving, it was fine, but one cannot do a hundred miles and not stop for water. One cannot. And so fast forward to race day, the flies weren't a problem, but in the interim, while preparing for that, Mm. I spent a lot of time running. And anytime I encountered something that was uncomfortable for me, or like was making me feel that upwelling of panic, I had created a little mantra. Um, I'm here, the whatever the problem is. So let's just use the flies. I'm here, the flies are here, and we're all here together and it's fine, okay? And I would just like repeat this to myself. I'm here and the mosquitoes are here and we're all here together and it's fine or whatever, okay? And I cannot tell you how useful this is. I'm here and the heat is here or I'm here and the wind is here and we're all here together and it's fine. And it just would help me, you know, I'm sort of joking about it, but in all seriousness, it, that mantra of having that has transcended the fly problem or the heat problem or the wind problem or whatever, and come inside with me. Because now when I encounter something that makes me feel like that, whether that's upwelling of panic or it's, um, you know, the stress that just your job can cause you, or it's somebody who I just don't like very much talking to me or whatever, right. I can say, I'm here, the flies are here or whatever, and we're all here together and it's fine. So, <laughs> and I, I love that you were talking about making up your own mantra. Cause I did the same thing when I was running now an ultra is not as, I mean, marathon is not as long as an ultra, but as you're training, right. Still a big deal. Still a big deal. Even a 5k for newbies, right. It's still the, all things you know. are a big deal. And I remember my mantras, I would sing them but they would be made up. I was a pre, I was an early childhood teacher. So like, it's so natural for me to make up songs. And I remember making up like mantras. I never even thought about them as a mantra in that point, but I would sing them to like common, like nursery rhymes or something like that, that I knew that would help me get through until I got to the next spot where they were playing music or something like that. But I think it's really a, a great thing to share with the listeners that you can make up your own mantras. You don't have to go and find mantras from like, the greats like TikTok Han, or you can come up with your own mantras that are meant for you that are amazing. You know, I think that you just hit on something really important there. Um, referring to the greats, you are the greats, yes. the end, you are your own great, <laughs> and you can be, I know it's cheesy, but you can be your own great for yourself in your own life outside, inside, and everywhere else. And it's leaning on your own self to understand what it is you need. And then part two of that, because I mean, understanding what you need is all fine, 
but you got to actually do it. Right. You have to respond to it. You have to listen to it. So it's understanding what you need and then giving that to yourself mm-hmm. in response to that understanding. That could be a mantra. It's what a mantra can be, whatever you have to say to yourself, right. to make yourself feel better at the end and repeat it over again. So for me, it's I'm here, the flies are here, we're all here and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you could say it just like that too. It'd be like, it's fine. So it's, it's fine. Recently, I think the person that was at the store thought I was a little crazy, but I don't care. I'm fine with whatever I do. Um, but I actually <laughs> bought myself a ring and married myself and created a vow to myself that I would make sure I lived up to my authenticity and my Mm -hmm. trueness and that I respected myself as much as I would want somebody to respect me. And like, it goes back to that whole piece of you are the great, like you, you're, you can only give as much as you are. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to give your whole to yourself, your all to yourself can be, is the most important thing in terms of being able to then give to others. And yeah. Yeah. So we talk about self-care in our culture as being like a spa day or some sort of like actionable one stop check self-care. We're good, but it is what you said, which is understanding what you need, giving that to yourself and then going from there so that you can give to other people. It is an inherently selfish task in, in that it is for you, but it is also inherently selfless because before, until you take care of you and give yourself what you need, you cannot do that for somebody else. And just circling back to nature and going outside, that's one of the ways I do that, right? So I am often outside with my family, but I'm not outside for my family. I'm outside for me. That's yeah. it. Uh, when you're talking about marrying yourself, um, there's this great Lizzo song called, um, I'm my own soulmate. You have to listen to it. Uh, but that's what she, that's basically the point of the song is that she's her own soulmate. And I dig that because, you know, if you can't be your own soulmate first, whether that's by going outside and getting what you need, I mean, take your family, take your friends, but do it for you or by, you know, just being there for yourself and realizing that that's has to start there, then that's enough. Right. That's phenomenal. So speaking of that, so that kind of goes along the lines of like, what tips do you have for the listeners? Like two or three tips that absolutely you, you would want to share with them. Yeah. So one outdoor habit, completely worth it. Do it. Okay. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till Monday, whatever Monday is don't or next month, next day, whatever. Don't wait, do it today because the only way to start a habit is to start doing it. Okay. Next, if you want to make this a habit, pick something you will actually do. I chose 20 minutes because studies say that two hours of outdoor time a week is a very, um, sort of ideal amount of time. And 15 minutes seemed like not enough for me. 20 minutes seemed like something I would actually do. So that's what I picked, pick a time that you'll actually do and do that. Also, I love where it's cold. And uh, sometimes it takes like five, 10 minutes to find all my stuff. So I wanted to be outside long enough to make getting dressed worth it. All right. So all that to say, pick amount of time actually that you'll do and then do it. And the next thing that I always advise people with this is vary when you do this, because if you pivot, if you rather um, tie your outdoor time to a certain time of day, Like, let's say you really like the idea of taking your outdoor time outside for 20 minutes in the morning with your cup of coffee. Okay. That sounds awesome. You should do that, but don't do that every day. And here's why 
if for some reason you have a day that you don't get your coffee on the porch, you're going to forget to do your outdoor time because you're going to have missed that window. It's kind of like brushing your teeth, right? Like you brush your teeth when you get out of bed, or at least that's how I do it, right? Get up, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth. Let's say I'm camping and I'm not in that routine in my bedroom. I might forget to brush my teeth because I'm not, you know, a couple hours go by. I'm like, something's weird. I forgot to brush my teeth. That's, it's the same kind of rote habit. So you want to be having this habit, but you also want to be very intentional about it because you want to have this be a benefit to you. And part of that intentionality is making sure you're thinking about when you're going to do it and then doing it on purpose by all means, do it with your cup of coffee, but think it through first and be intentional about the habit that you're doing. Not like the act of going outside and what you're doing there, not the purely box checking. This is just a habit. Right. Because you want to get the most you can out of that. And that's, that's being intentional, which brings me to secret tip number four, be intentional. Okay. This has to do with what you get out of going outside, but also making it happen for yourself. So for me, I look at my day from a, you know, just to-do list standpoint and on my to-do list is my habit. It's not because I want to box check it. It's just because I know that I'm busy. And if I don't think through when I'm going to fit this in, I might get to the end of the day and not have done it. And then I will be sad because I will have missed the part where it's not raining or the part where it's not dark outside or whatever, because I just didn't think it through. And so number four is be intentional. I love it. I love all of those. And I love how they build off each other. And I think, like you said, it's important to kind of mix it up because if you like you are, if you're on a vacation or if something comes up where you all of a sudden have to jump on an airplane and go somewhere um, to see family, you could still figure out a time when you can go get it in. Um, I'm all for like habit stacking where you do one thing and then another thing. But this for this kind of thing, it, you have to for getting outside, you have to be a little bit flexible based on if you're, especially if you're like, well, it's not going to rain at three o'clock. So I'm going to go out at three and actually making it happen. Um, in between, I was recording podcasts today. I, so yours is the second podcast. So in between, I made sure I got outside and walked around the dude ranch that I'm on. I'm on a llama dude ranch right now. And yesterday I was in uh, Yellowstone exploring a little bit. That's so amazing. again, it happens when it happens. Right. And if you, if you're the type of person that likes to get up and get outside right away, do that, but know that like some days you can get out, like try at other times, especially like Saturdays and Sundays or whatever it is. Like if you go at your lunch break or whatever, switch it up for the weekends. And Yeah. And there's no one saying you can have to only do 20 minutes. No, if it's nice outside, live, live big, go outside twice. I yep. mean, <laughs> Fancy that, right? Fancy that. No, I 100%, I, I joke about that, but 100% yesterday, I decided just to sit on my front stoop because it was a nice evening. So I took a, my little can of flavored seltzer water because that's just who I am outside to my front porch. Okay. But as I was doing that, I thought, I've already done my time outside today. What am I doing? She's like, Amy, you can go outside again. You don't right. just have to like go outside because you're checking a box. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to fall into that. It really is. I mean, yeah. 1700 days, I can testify and that happens, but it's yep. that intentionality check, that spirit check where you're yeah. saying you grow, it's a habit within a habit where you're saying, am I doing this for the right reason? And the right reason quote unquote is defined by you. There's like no law 
about this. Like you get to decide what is the right reason today. And it can be a different reason tomorrow. That's fine. Yeah. And if you're feeling like that whole, oh, it's 20 minutes, I'm up asking yourself and checking in, would I want to do more? Right. Right. Exactly. Why, if the weather's nice and you're, and it's beautiful out, stay out longer or even, I mean, my favorite time to go to the beach, I'm a little strange, like strange like this, I think, but my favorite time to go to the beach when I'm back home in Rhode Island is, is in the fall and winter. It's such a beautiful time. And because it's the beach, there's not really any snow there. So you can't use that as, as an excuse of like, I don't have to put snow pants on or any of that kind of stuff. You can just go walk the beach bundled up and it's quiet and peaceful and so serene. And I'm not usually a beach person, but when I get to bundle up, I don't have to put as much sunscreen on. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> we, of course, the parts of Alaska have beach. I would not recommend swimming. No, I don't go swimming in the winter. <laughs> People do, but not my thing. Uh, and you're right. You know, there's nothing like icy kelp on the beach. I mean, no one else is there. It's just you. And so I've seen some very exciting things. I saw this, um, huge, just iced jellyfish on uh, wash up on the beach. I mean, just like frozen solid. Okay. On the beach. I'm talking like a couple feet wide. Um, maybe, yeah, like three, three and a half feet wide, huge. Okay. Um, and you know, never would have seen that of course, if I hadn't bothered to go on an icy cold day beach walk, wherein the giant jacket, hundred percent giant jacket city. So, <laughs> yep. Well, and so many of the storms in the winter bring up some of right. the stuff, right? So there's like more shells on the beach. It's just, yeah, there's everything about it. So where can listeners find you? So you can find me on humansoutside.com. Uh, and then of course the humans outside podcast is the name of my podcast and it is in all of the podcast places, literally every single one that I know of, um, yeah, there might be more creative, but I think it's all in all of them, uh, humans outside on Facebook and Instagram. And one thing I've been doing since I started doing this is posting a picture every day of my outdoor time as Mm -hmm. mostly as a way to stay accountable to myself. Um, because if I know that I'm going to take a picture of something, I might actually go do something that's a little more interesting than just sitting looking at my feet. Okay. So it sort of spurs me to be more interesting for me. And then I put it on Instagram. It's just how I log it. So, um, you can do your own outdoor time and hashtag it humans outside 365. And if you do that, I will see it and, uh, you know, like it and interact or whatever. And you're welcome to hit me up at humans outside on Facebook and Instagram as as well. Um, and then finally, if this is something that you want to do, but you're just like one of these people who has a hard time making themselves do something, that's very normal. No judgment, judgment-free zone. Lots and lots of people feel that way. So many. I have created on humansoutside.com a couple of challenge kits for the Humans Outside 365 challenge so that you can sign up and then um, get help for a year. So it comes with a guide and a tracker so that you can like color in for 365 days and a finisher decal or a medal or one of these neck gaiters slash buff might be how you know it really cozy, fuzzy. Um, and yeah, it's just whatever you need. So if that's what you need, awesome. It's there. If that's not what you need, don't sign up and, um, just participate. So whatever you need. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. It was great to have you, Amy. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun conversation.
Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Saved by Mother Earth podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please join us every week by hitting subscribe or follow. Until next time, spend every day as authentically as you can, reaching for your true purpose.